0: Have travelled in specifically
1: for this morning, for today? Yes. Well done, very good. (laughs) you enjoyed the conference so far? Yes. 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 Excellent. Well, it's been really, really, really good. Um, Just to make sure that you've wandered in the right room, uh, we're going to look at a true family on courageous mission together. My name's Bouter. Uh, my wife has travelled in for the occasion as well so is going to come and uh, share it. Uh, the journey that we've been on so far and uh, we're really looking forward to our time together. We're going to start straining because we've only got an hour and uh, it'll be gone before you know it. Um, we're going to make a little bit interactive so we're going to share a bit of our journey. Um, we're going to allow you to chat through your journeys together a little bit to reflect on what we're saying. spend some time um, and uh, we thought just so you know who's talking to you, would you do know, a quick personal introduction, who we are, where we come from, Uh, so you've got a little bit of uh, framework uh, and then uh, we're going to jump in with both feet. Does that sound okay? Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Do you want to come and share a bit of our journey
0: so far? Yes. Um, So we are from Holland. Uh, We grew up in Holland. Um, We met when we were 18. My was uh, studying to be a physio and I was uh, studying to be nurse and then we worked for bit in holland as a nurse in the physio i worked as a school nurse in a trauma ward in the hospital uh, and then around 2007 we uh, felt that got saying to us that we should take a year out to do like leadership training and go somewhere else in another country and then we ended up in norwich from uh, And then we did a uh, lead, which is now called lead. We did that for a year, uh, and then um, after that we decided to stay on. Did about to an internship. I had my first child. We've got three girls. need to show my girls. Uh, very girly pink household. We've got all the school She's nine. We've got a middle one called Alina, she's six, and the youngest one, she's three. Uh, mm-hmm. So we've got a very, um, very sweet little girls. They're like, Mom, you have to go. And, and, and um, yeah, it's great to be here. Um, so today, a uh, nowadays voucher to the church in Peterborough. He's a the girl, she came there, and we love being part of that. Um, you might say, how do you end up in Peterborough of all places? Well, God has just been really speaking a lot and um, a lot of words, and we feel really like God has been calling us to be there. Now, we've had a passion for children and children's work since we were, since I was about 16, I think. And when I was just 18, he just joined the kids' did sort of to impress me mostly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually, we got a lot really well, and that's our main passion. And we're just so passionate to see church's whole family and from right at the start, when they're a young baby, God is speaking to them, he's developing them, he's growing them, nurturing them, and as a family, as a church family, we can just help help, um, help them to grow in that. So today, we really want to um, just inspire you, uh, give you vision, just tell, tell a bit of our story, uh, and that's hope that God will do an amazing thing in our hearts today. So over to Marita.
1: Well, I think it was really inspiring hearing on the, uh, on the first day Michael saying uh, this year is different. We're kind of bringing Send alongside uh, our main uh, uh, conference and uh, bringing the younger generation alongside the older generation to learn together, to be together. And uh, I think we're really passionate about that. Um, I think we're uh, in an apostolic family where we're devoted to raising up spiritual sons and daughters to multiply apostolic mission. And uh, we really believe that actually starting with the scent guys is brilliant, um, but if we had done nothing for the first 18 years of their lives, we would have lost track a little bit, wouldn't we? We actually want to start right at the very yeah. start to make sure that we bring children at the heart of what we do and actually catch a bit of our apostolic mission together. So when they uh, attend SEND, the they're not coming into something new that looks unfamiliar, but they're kind of ready to go jumping. And being on mission together and so uh, i think for us it's really important god has placed spiritual sons and daughters in your life wherever you are and uh, we believe that god has placed you there to raise them up and to invest in them but unless we're intentional uh, we won't see that happening so uh, we really believe that God has placed all of us uniquely wherever you might be so you might be uh, uh here because you've got a family yourself you might be here because you work with children throughout the week as a teacher or in healthcare you might be here because you're involved with children's ministry in the church or um, because you're a grandparent i think actually the truth is it doesn't really matter what phase you are in life you won't have to go far to find some people younger people that god has uniquely placed you and uh, to invest in their lives, and it starts really from the very, very start. And I think the importance is to be intentional. Um, I think when we look at Scripture, we can see that actually reaching a young generation is a courageous mission. It's not something to embark on lightly, because there's a spiritual war happening, and actually the uh, battleground for the next generation is probably one of the fiercest battlegrounds. Uh, in spiritual warfare, I don't know if you uh, are familiar. Looking around, but you don't have to go very far to see that there's a war raging for our next generation. And the truth is, Satan is not going to sit still until they reach cent eight age. Uh, he's straight involved now to try and sniff out life as early as he can, to try and uh, lead kids off track as early as he can. And actually, unless we are just as intentional engaging in that spiritual war, we'll be losing the battle. And I think when you uh, see in um, uh, in scripture, right at the very start of Jesus was uh, born, we can see that immediately Satan kind of brings all his spiritual warfare to the forefront. Uh, through Herod, uh, he, uh, he launches a demonic attack Kills all the babies in the neighborhood to try and sniff out Jesus' life, even before it began. Uh, He does not play fair. I mean, he's happily to kill a whole village in order to try and just reach one. Um, And uh, uh, Joseph was very courageous, listening to God's voice. God told him to protect his child and to flee to Egypt and uh, God spoke prophetically to him Uh, in Matthew 2 verse 13 uh, we read that an angel came to visit him and uh, said get up take your child and his mother and escape to Egypt and stay there until uh, we tell you and he rose up and protected his family, uh, responded to the, uh, the dream that he had and uh, the calling that God gave him and uh, escaped and that's how God saved Jesus' life uh, through his father and we believe actually uh, in the same way we all have callings in our lives to be the Josephs uh, in other children's lives, to actually respond to what God is saying, to respond to maybe dreams that God has given you maybe prophetic words that God has given you to rise up and to stand against and uh, the truth is when it comes to um uh, rooting a young generation uh, the church is a slut. if you look around and you talk about children's ministry there are so few churches that are intentionally engaged in spiritual warfare when it comes to children sure there's lots of children's facilities, there might be crèche facilities, there might be other things happening for kids. But often there's kind of babysitting so that adults can have a good time in church. And actually, this is not our calling when it comes to the next generation. We're not called to be babysitters. We're called to be spiritual warriors. You're not going to go into spiritual battle uh, with a dummy and a bottle. Uh, you need to wear God's armor and be at the forefront of a spiritual warfare that's happening in our day to reach a generation that by default is straying from God unless they hear the gospel explained to them, unless they have role models in their lives to be reached. And actually, uh, if we don't make a difference, then who will? we're not being as intentional as Satan is trying to attack the next generation, and then we will see them going astray. And God has placed you to make a difference. And I think really today, I think we kind of want to, want to wake you up, shake you up to dream big dreams, to respond to God's call, to prophetic calls on your life to look around what's the difference that you can make and also do not abdicate the responsibility of the next generation to mums and dads whose turn it is this time we all as a church have a responsibility for the next generation so just to get you get your brains going get kind of get interactive what would be some of the dreams that God has laid on your heart? What would be some of the prophetic calls that God has given you to reach out to the generation around you? And how are you uniquely placed in your setting to do so? So if you can grab a few people around you, just have a quick chat for a minute or so, and, and then we'll take it from there. Mm-hmm. All right? Now comes the awkward bit. Who should I talk to? you something? Yes. And, uh, i'm not i'm going
0: That's why to I want to thank you that we've got Um, so god has been speaking to us ever since we were going out really about um, adopting children or fostering children and just having that heart of like reaching out to children who are broken Um, so um, we've just been talking about it dreaming about it and just um, uh, so now we've got three kids and our youngest is nearly going to school so we're sort of right at the moment we think no actually we could maybe start the journey Um, and trouble is you need a big house for that as you know, when you work for a church, it's not a particularly well-paid job, which is fine. doesn't matter. And but we just feel that God wants us to dream big dreams and to have a massive house to, uh, to be able to adopt and foster lots of children. Um, but we have a bit of a problem, like I said. We don't have money, not a lot of money to buy a big house. So we're really, really trusting God. And we've been having some really, real faith journeys about God saying we should give our savings away. And then actually on the same day, God giving us three times as much money-wise for things like that and we're just on the next step now where we actually feel God saying we need to give our savings away again which is quite scary Um, but just because we can't do it in our own strength so we need God anyway so the little that we have doesn't really add up to what we need so we're just yeah we're on this faith journey together so our dream is just to have this massive house Full of lots and lots of kids that run around, uh, that just find safety, find a place, find a home, and for them to come to a church where 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 the where the children's work is just so amazing, they can find healing, they can find peace, they can be restored, be redeemed, be the people that they need to be that God wants them to be, and just to have that combined together, that that's our that's our dream, and I feel in a few years' time I'll be standing here or somewhere else, and I'll say you tell you all sorts of things that God has been doing. Um, it's scary, what? but I know God will do it. So dream big dreams. God is a big God, and we don't have to dream small. We can dream big, big dreams. Um, oh, sorry. So we're going to look um,
1: very briefly at kind of what are the different battlefields, battlegrounds in our lives where God uniquely places you. But before we're going to do that, I thought I'm just going to take you on a very quick journey uh, through Scripture just to see what actually is the spiritual battle that we're involved with, and to actually have a good. Biblical understanding in the warfare that we're engaging in. So, uh, if you've got a Bible, then you can uh, read along. If you uh, haven't, we'll pop some of those uh, Bible verses up on the screen so you can uh, follow with us. So, if you want to turn to uh, Genesis 1, right at the start, uh, Genesis 1, verse 27, says this So, God created man. In his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So we can see that you don't have to go very far in scripture. Uh, uh, where we can see our mission being explained. The mission was to fill the earth with God's glory and to do so, um, uh, God called Adam and Eve to multiply. Now, um, if we look at Adam and Eve, it it says they were made in God's image. A bit like a mirror, they reflected God's glory. And when you look at Adam and Eve, you could see some of God's glory in them. Now, as they... um, were called to multiply. The idea was that when they had children, they would be born in their likeness. And when you look at their children, you can see something of their parents. Now, uh, you don't have to be a scholar to understand that. If you look at the people around you, uh, you often get those uh, uh, very acute, but irritating remarks. Oh, aren't you just like your mum? Aren't you just like your dad? You can can see something uh, in children about the reflection of their parents. Now, uh, as a parent, I find that a little daunting because you can see the great things reflected in your children, but also the not so great things, Um, and it's like sometimes you're looking in the mirror. Uh, And the truth is that that is how God intended us to uh, be—to reflect something one another. But ultimately, that reflection would lead back to God's glory. When we can look at one another, we see something of the diverse uh, creativity of God. We can see something reflected of God uh, in the uh, the the generations around us. Um, Now. You kind of think, like, why children and why families? I mean, if you think, if I was God and I was to fill this earth uh, with people that look like me, I I could do it in a high school night. I could have people growing on trees or multiplying like cells or, I mean... Why babies? Why families? Why spent 18 years of your life trying to raise up children when they can just pop up from a tree? I mean, it's not really efficient, is it? I think if I was God, I would come up with a more efficient plan than children. But actually, when you see uh, the creation at the very start, God laid something in children that we could not see in adults. And God laid something in the idea of family that we could not see in adults. And if we didn't have children in our midst, we wouldn't have an understanding of what God's fatherhood is like. Because actually the mutual love of a husband and wife together reflects something of the mutual love of the Trinity. But the love for a father to his children reflects the love of God to us. And actually it's a living object lesson, experience for us to see children and to understand how much God loves us. And uh, until I became a dad myself, I didn't really have a clue. And now I have three kids, and uh, sometimes I could be pulling my hair out, and then five minutes later, thanking God that he made me a father. And then suddenly think, okay, that's kind of what God must feel like at times. Pulling his hair out at times for the choices that I make, at the same time being absolutely thrilled to have a son and a daughter, and to have a heavenly father. So we can see something of God's love in the institute of marriage and in the institute of family that's why it's so important so in our day when we see marriages being messed around with families being messed around with you can just see it's under attack why because we have an enemy and when you read through scripture uh, in uh, Genesis, 6, um, uh, well, Genesis 3 first, um, we can see that Satan uh, used to be part of God's family, and he used to reflect something of the greatness of God in his presence, and then he decided he wanted to be God, and uh, he led a third of the angels astray, and then when he couldn't win against God, he went to make war against God's creation, us, mankind. So he led Adam and Eve astray, and uh, ever since, he's been on a quest to destroy the image that we carry of God. We carry the breath of God in us, and the reflection of God, and Satan hates it. It's like a magnet that draws him. He will try and attack and destroy it in any way he can. So um, when we read in Genesis 6, uh, verse 5, it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every intention of thought of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that it made man on the earth and it grieved into his heart. Because he rather than glory multiplying, messes multiplying, you can see that Satan is having a laugh. He is trying to reap havoc in uh, God's creation. And ever since he's been on on, on a on a warm path. He is fighting against marriages. Why? Because he hates marriages. They reflect something of God's glory. Um, You can see 42% of marriages in the UK and across Europe um, ending up in divorce. Why? Because we have an enemy who hates marriage. Um, Satan hates families. Um, I've done a little bit of research that I think is really going to cheer you up. Um, Nearly 1.9 million lone parents in the UK alone. And actually, if you look at some of the other European countries, that will be similar or even worse. 1.9 million lone parents. That means 1.9 families, children, who should have a father and a mother growing up without a reflection of the mutual love of a husband and a wife. 1 million children in the UK have no meaningful contact with their father. 1 million. One million children growing up without a role model, that should point them to the fatherhood of God. Um, In fact, children growing up today are more likely to have a television in their bedroom at the age of 16 than they have a father at home. I mean, you can just see Satan at work. Um, Satan hates children. Um, You can see that he loves to sniff out life before it even begins. In our day, one in five children who are born are killed before they (coughs) bridge life. Abortion, 20%, 20% of every life-born child is aborted. I mean, that is outrageous. 261 lives of every 1,000 life-borns is ended before it even starts. And if you look across Europe, some of that figure is even worse than other countries. I mean, that's outrageous, isn't it? You go by your day every day and life's getting sniffed out before it's even started um we can see um churches losing the battle for the next generation we can see a rapid decline in children uh, being part of our churches in our day there's a rapid drastic decline in churches reaching children over the last 20 years and i think that should really give us a wake-up call i mean that's where our mission starts our mission starts with the battlefield, the spiritual warfare that God has supposed to see. But God, from the very, very start, had a plan. He didn't leave it like that. When Satan led astray Adam and Eve, He also made a promise. So on.
0: He did. Good news. Excuse <laughs> um So God had a plan in mind, didn't he? Ever since the start, when Adam and Eve um, sinned and were bent out of the garden, He had a plan. Jesus was always in His mind and His rescue plan. Um, so Jesus came as a child himself, We can see that. Um, Therefore the Lord himself will give a sign. Behold the virgin, so we can conceive and bear a son. It says in Isaiah 7 verse 14, and his name shall be Emmanuel, God with us. Um, he was the perfect um, reflection of God. And through him we can see that we can now be all part of God's family. God's adopted family, we are sons and daughters ourselves before we look after other children. And before jesus returned to his father he gave his disciples a new commission matthew 28 verse 19. therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you and surely i am with you always to the very end of the age we can see once again that the call is to multiply through children and not just physical children, but spiritual children as well, disciples. The rescue plan that started with Abraham, and um, Abraham's coming led to a nation is Israel, and from that, actually Jesus came. And now, it actually continuing in the church. So we have this um, uh, commission as well. So 2,000 years later, we're part of the still, same family, and we still carry out the same mission. So what does this courageous, uh, mission looked like in our life today so that's what I am going to focus on um, the time that we've got left on we thought there are four different spheres in which we can live out of the courageous mission of Jesus so one is our family our own family and the second one is our home and then the third one the church and the fourth one the workplace I'm going to answer
1: So maybe to help us discern where we spend most of our time best, let's do a quick show of hands, kind of what sort of area you're involved with. So um, if you're here and you've got children in primary age, secondary age, could you just quickly raise your hand? Brilliant, that's helpful. Um, If you want to put your hands down? Any grandparents here? Very good. Um, Any people that work with children or youth in church context? Some of the same hands going up, that's great, you're double teaming. Um, and some people that work um, just with children in secular work, maybe education or healthcare. Very good, helpful. Well, we're going to briefly touch on all of those, but I think we'll spend most of our time on kind of family and church setting uh, and uh, trying to jump into the workplace from there. So the first battle plan is family. And um, uh, I think for me as an elder, I find it really humbling to read that the the first description or the first requirement for an elder starts at home. If you can't lead your family well, then you shouldn't lead the family of God. And actually, that is a really humbling uh, description as well as a sobering one. If I don't start at home, then everything that I do makes no difference. I could be saving the world and losing my own family. Uh, That would be a terrible mistake. Um, D.L. Moody said, I believe that family was established long before the church and my duty is to my family first. Now, isn't it tempting when you're involved in ministry to always have your family last instead of first? Uh, When was the last time you said no to a ministry opportunity because you had to spend time with your family? And when was the last time you said no to your family because you had a ministry opportunity? Well, I, I think... To me, they are constantly in battle. And actually, I need to give myself dutifully to my family before I give myself to church, because my family has got uh, my first calling. Uh, PJ Smith uh, describes it like this. He says, I suggest that time with your family is scheduled into your diary. Put in holidays, weekends, and even family time each day. Make sure that you are up and leading your family in the mornings. If you get them off to an upbeat and happy start, fitting in a few minutes of prayer together, then that makes a huge difference to their days and lives. A happy and upbeat start. I don't know how you would describe breakfast around your uh, uh, table in the morning but I'm pretty sure that uh, I think most of the time that wouldn't describe our family breakfasts very well but actually giving yourself to a really good start of the day with your family is important and so if we're starting by raising up spiritual sons and daughters uh, to multiply our mission, we must start with the children that God has placed in our care. In your life, as a grandparent, maybe as a parent, or maybe as a family member, we must give ourselves diligently because they will be watching you all the time. And the role model that I am to them is the only role model that they, they will get in terms of a father figure. You know, by God's grace, he does multiply father figures even in the life of the church. But if they had to go somewhere else to see God's father heart in action rather than getting it from me, then I would have not completed the task that God has given me. Uh, in Deuteronomy 11 verse 18, it says, Fix these words of mine in your heart and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up. Let me read that again. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, and when you lay down, and when you get up. I'm not really sure that there's anything in life that wouldn't fall into one of these categories. Right? God's (coughs) created us to be talking about our faith with our children all the time. All the time. And I think in our day there's, so much written about parenting and yet so very little known about spiritual parenting. Uh, You can go to the bookshop and you can find 50 books about how to be the perfect parent and they will never make you into a perfect parent. But they all have got the way of making you the perfect parent. And the truth is, we will not be perfect parents. But even if you are, and if you fail to live up to this command, we will have lost it. Now, I did a little bit of research. Well, actually, uh, George Barnard's done a little bit of research for me. Uh, He's written a book called uh, Spiritual Champions. I'm not sure whether you've uh, heard of this book before, but if you are stood about the next generation, I would recommend this book. First, if you want to buy one book, buy this book. Um, He's a statistic, so um, if you don't quite like statistics, don't worry, he's kind of putting a really solid case together through numbers and figures, but he has done some excellent research, and that actually is fairly shocking. Uh, Let me just read out a few statistics from his research. So he says 85% of all parents are convinced it's their responsibility to raise and nurture faith in their children. So 85% of parents who are Christians understand that it's their responsibility. I mean, that's a good start, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yet 66% abdicate that fully to the church. Um, in fact, less than 10% of parents who regularly attend church with their kids actually read the Bible together and pray together. So less than 10% read the Bible and pray together. In fact, less than 5% have a genuine spiritual life together. So here we are, Christians following God, having a calling, yet less than 5% of all our families and all our churches have a meaningful, genuine spiritual life. That results into the fact that only 3% of all 13 year olds would objectively be able to be classified as evangelical christians meaning making life choices based on scripture does that cheer you up not really i'm pretty sure that you have come to this seminar because you feel you're part of that 85 percent you're convinced that raising children is your responsibility well unless you become intentional about it I think it'll be very likely you'll slip into the 95% category. It does not develop a genuine spiritual life together. It comes with a cost. It comes with the time cost. It comes with a cost to be intentional. Now, when it comes to spiritual parenting, um, you will get these people telling you wonderful stories that make you feel like a failure straight from the off. Have you ever been to some of those seminars? Ever read some of those books? Well, we're going to try and make you feel a little bit better, to uh, tell you a few stories and our humble attempts at spiritual parenting, not because we've got it all figured out, but just because we have determined to make this a priority, and we keep trying and failing, trying and failing, and uh, we want to inspire you to do the same. If you feel like a failure uh, here this morning, if you feel a bit condemned by what I've said, don't worry, I would fit myself into that category too. Um, but we've had, uh, had a few humble attempts at trying to instil this in our family and we just want to share some of our mistakes, some of the things that we found, some of the things that have been helpful, some of the things that have not been helpful uh, to help you and inspire you. Are you up for that? Yeah. yeah. Good. Well, maybe someone you can uh, give us an honest look into uh, spiritual parenting. Yes.
0: I have all good intentions. Every day when I get up, I've got to be this gongy mum and I'm going to tell them God and. To... And then these things happen, they get annoyed, and they get annoyed with each other, I get annoyed with them, and then all these things go out of the window. But actually, let me tell you some things that are, that have been happening in our house and that are really, um, really good. By the way, let, let me first start with Paul Tripp um, in his book, Parenting, another really, really good book, um, recommended highly. Uh, it's in the book Paul strong. Tripp. Is it in the bookshop? Is in the bookshop, yeah. Yeah. Parenting. Fantastic, fantastic books. really, really helpful, down to earth, normal, um, yeah. So if you have a chance, that would be good to buy that one. So he says in this book, now permit me to be honest, what gets in the way of good parenting is not a lack of opportunity. What gets in the way of parenting is not the character of your child. What gets in the way of parenting is one thing, the character of the parent. And that's quite true um, for me, anyway. Um, God call, doesn't call us to be parents because he, think he thinks we're super-able parents, because we're not. Um, he, just, he calls us because he knows we need his grace in his parenting. Because we are unable, when you look in the Bible, Gideon, David, Simeon, all these people God calls, they're completely unable to do the job, when actually God gives them grace to be able to do the job. So, we as parents need God's grace, and we need to show our kids that actually, do you know what? We don't have it all together. We need God's grace, and by that, we can show them that they can go to God for their grace as well. So, some examples. Um, the other day, I was sitting down. Uh, sometimes I do that, I like just sit on the carpet, and I just say, let's just pray for each other, let's just see what God's going to do. And Let's just hear from God for each other. Sometimes these times are amazing. They've got amazing words for each other, like, oh thank God things you're beautiful and oh I looked in the room and I saw the clock and I think God is saying like, take the time to spend with me or those kind of things, amazing times. But the other day we sat down and then one of them kicked off, the other one kicked off, and they were like annoyed with each other and we I'm like, Oh, it's not gonna work. So it is it is having good intentions, but sometimes it's just not gonna work and sometimes it is working. So for us, we find it really important, first of all, as well, to work on our own relationship with God. So, so often, when you do parenting, you just think, oh, I'm just there for the kids. But actually, you need to be a kid yourself with God. Very important. You need to be God's son. You need to be God's daughter. You need to sit, sit on his lap, as it were, just to say, God, Father, Daddy, I love you. I'm your daughter. I'm your son. I'm your child. And just to re- refill your own. Um, prayer life so for us we we go really practically we go over six every morning just to have a quiet time together and it's just fantastic to do that because it starts the day really really well and then during breakfast time we sometimes we don't do it but we we try to remember to um, talk about what god has been saying to us in our quiet time what we're working through what god is doing in our lives and those kind of things it's really important for them to hear that that you are a child yourself spending time with god the father um the other thing i do especially with girls i mean their identity is just under attack constantly the devil is just trying to like attack them from like when they're six to say that they're fed that they're ugly friends saying things to them and we need to counter attack that and sort of as it were counter brainwash them with the truth of god um, so, what I try to do as often as possible, every time when I drop them off for school, or when I put them to bed, I say this say, say silly little thing where I just look them in the eye and I say, You are, and they say, my, your daughter. And then I say, I am, they say, um, my mother. And then um, I say, And I love you. And uh, I say, you're God's, and they say, daughter, and I say, um, and he loves you. It's just a serial thing, they love it. When I forget, when I talk to them, off, they say, oh, you need to do the thing, mommy, you need to do the thing, mommy. And it's so about. important to ingrain that every day. You are God's daughter, you're God's child, he loves you no matter what, and to have that. And just whenever they feel insecure about themselves, I say to them, Why are you, you're God's daughter? So it's really, really important to keep doing that with your children, and your grandparents as well, just to enforce that I love you, God loves you, you're my grandchild. No matter what happens, you, we need to counter-attack the enemy and just fill their heads with truth time and time, every day again. You can't do it too much, I'm going to show you. Um, another thing we do is just, just, I'm really, really aware that Children are so open to the voice of God, and that's like in the family and in children's work as well. They have this sort of—they don't have that filter in their mind. It is—it's amazing when you open, when you give them the opportunity and open, open that up for them. What may come up. With so um, often in the car we go on long journeys, we just say, let's look outside, right? What can you see? So what's God saying about that? roundabout. What have you got say about the roundabout? They're like, oh, there's different ways, right? We can choose God's way or we can choose our own way. Yeah, there's God. You're hearing from God, great, right, Isn't it? And that kind of thing just to train their minds. And you might think, oh, that's just childish thinking that if they think something up, but God is just using everything and. It's really, really important to train their minds. You know, when they've got these little um, pathways in their heads, just to help to to develop and nurture and grow that pathway in their heads that God can speak and will speak. And having dreams as well, they've got loads of different dreams. And when they tell them, you can just dismiss it and say, oh, that's just a child's dream. Actually, I think God is just in every dream. And we're just trying to figure out what's God saying in this dream. Even when it's a scary dream, we say to them, Where is Jesus in the dream? What is he doing? And then it's amazing what happens, because then the dream changes and they're not scared anymore. So it's really important to have that in mind. Or sometimes we do things like, let's see if we can see some angels around. Did you know they're all around? I can see them. And you might say, "Oh, that's just their imagination." Well, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. And I want them to be um, aware of the spiritual realm around us. And sometimes we just say, "Let's just jump up and down with the angels in heaven," and then we jump up and down, and they're like, oh, "Yes, the angels are joining in." It's just making them aware of that, and not being sort of having our adult-like thinking head on, but just being childlike ourselves as well, and directing.
1: So parenting really is just a never ending conversation about faith, um, if you sit down to have that conversation I can guarantee you you rarely have it, you just need to be prepared at all times, uh, any occasion, just be prepared, uh, have your conversation ready, just to talk about everyday life, um, some parents feel a bit, a little bit um, hesitant in that, they kind of think I don't want to indoctrinate my child, oh, for fucking sake, indoctrinate your child. <laughs> if you look at the world around you, they get yes. indoctrinated all the time. I mean, you really, with all your efforts, you are not even going to reach the level they get indoctrinated with every day. They do get indoctrinated at school, watching telly, and you will need to bring that truth into their lives to be able to measure those things by. So get involved, see what they're watching. Uh, be the annoying parent that puts the DVD on pause to have a little conversation about what you happened. Um, when they ask questions about the things they see around them take their time and talk together right you've been listening for a little while let's press pause And um, if you are a parent in the room or a grandparent or you've got kind of children in your surroundings why don't you have a little moment how intentional are you about sharing your faith putting your faith into words um, what are some areas of progress that you could make what is one thing that perhaps you could take away not 10 just Simple one thing that you could do differently as a result of today. Over to
0: you. Спасибо.
1: Place for mission. I think so often we take mission out of our homes, we go to meetings, we arrange meetings with people, but actually we want to encourage you to make your home a place of mission. Do mission together. Um, first lesson that you want got to learn is your, your home is not your castle. Uh, uh, As we're in England, I think, uh, being Dutchman, I think I can kick against this a little bit. Your home's not your castle. I think there's such a a tight grip cultural view, and I think the Dutch will be very similar in their view, so I think we're not much different, but your home's not your castle. Learn to share your house. I think so often people say, well, I I wouldn't dare to have you over because my house is a mess. Well, who cares? The Bible talks about hospitality, not about your house being cleaned and tidy. When you do, it talks about an open heart, an open life. Yeah. And For us, the um, key lesson that we've learned in uh, making your home a place of mission is we, we had a lodger coming to live with us uh, since two years ago. We decided we want to make our home a place of mission, not just something where we hide away from the world, but a place where we can invite others in. Well, there's nothing quite like sharing your shampoo uh, with somebody in your house to learn the lessons of opening your lives to others and the little things, the amount of grace that you can extend living together. It's phenomenal. It's great. Really great opportunity. Um, Next to that, I think just have your house available to have people staying with you. Um, We have quite a few children in our church that come from broken families and we try to make it a priority just to have them over in the holidays to come and do sleepovers for a couple of nights just to be around a family that actually functions as a family, Uh, seeing a dad in action who teaches his children about the Bible, seeing a mum in action. So we try to be really deliberate just to have kids staying over. Um, Mattresses on the floor. Yes, it will get a bit chaotic. Okay, maybe we'll do pizzas rather than anything complicated, but just making life happen and opening your home is so important. Um, We've we've got some wonderful people uh, in our church uh, Single people, young people That invite families to come over to their house And to make a mess out of it I I love it We had a, a girl the other day who invited us over And as a family, you don't often get invited over by singles Because you know it's a bit chaotic and a bit messy and you've got to cook for a lot of people um, and she invited us over now uh, we had a bit of an embarrassing moment we were there playing around and uh, uh, my little girl was uh, playing with another little boy and suddenly they came out of the bathroom uh, uh, kind of holding the, the the bathroom curtain and the rail um, <laughs> and, uh, saying oh we had a little accident so we apologized and uh, said i'm so sorry for messing up your house and then she said don't worry we love having people over. We can handle a few broken things. I thought, what a brilliant testimony. So you don't have to have a family to have young people over. Uh, If you're single here or uh, you haven't got a family yet, start exercising hospitality. One of the best things that we've done um, when we grew up, we was babysitting together for other families. So I remember going to babysit a family with four kids when we were about 18 years old. I, I don't know what the parents were thinking, but uh, <laughs> clearly wanted to go away for a little bit of time. They we said, we'll come, we'll come at your house, we'll look after the kids for a couple of days. And it was brilliant, just learning to be around kids. And uh, they had a way of the time, yeah, they had them cleaning up to do when they came home. <laughs> <laughs> a great time being away. Um, We have a, a, a life group for kids in our home. Every other week we have 14 kids around our dinner table. And it is wildly chaotic, and um, there's hardly uh, an image to move around when they all sit at the table. There's at least three cups of drinks that will go over each meantime. Uh Trying to have a decent conversation. We have to have little googly eyes that they need to wear so one person talks at the same time. Uh, and but it's brilliant. It's probably the best life group that we've ever done. Uh, just talking about stories from the Bible, um, we now kind of ask the kids to lead some of the conversations. So they lead, uh, read little biographies, 10 girls who change the world, or 10 boys who change the world, and we ask one of the kids to lead a conversation with the other kids to understand how difficult it is to lead a conversation. And we notice that they all listen twice as well when there's a child leading the conversation as when we do. Um, so just amazing, talking about Bible characters, just really simple Bible verses together. It doesn't have to be amazing, creative. Uh, it can just be normal, around the dinner table, having food. We do a bit of carpet time afterwards, or we gather them all on the carpet and we pray for one another, prophesy over one child at a time, and hearing the words they shared. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful.
0: Yeah, it takes us an hour and a
1: half to clean up the house afterwards, but hey, who okay, cares? <laughs> we love having them um, around. I think opening mission together, make your heart a place where you can do that. Um, we have set the goal to uh, sponsor a compassion child for each of our children at the same age. So at the times we'll be praying for them. and um, Just making it normal to understand, writing letters to them. Uh, a beautiful way of them understanding mission and caring uh, for others. Um, the other day we were um, uh, going to the supermarket and uh, Simona was going with our oldest daughter and there was a, a guy sitting outside, a homeless person asking for some money and uh, uh, they got into the, into the shop and they discovered a three pound coin in the, in the shopping trolley. And uh, our oldest daughter was over the moon. I mean, normally she has to save up for that sort of pocket money. So she came out skipping and, and then uh, suddenly saw the man sitting outside and uh, suddenly there was an opportunity to have a conversation. What are you gonna do with the gift that you've just received? Would you like to keep it for yourself or would you like to give it away? I mean it's a, an honest choice that you can make. And she chose to give it away and the smile on the man's face was incredible. She came home skipping even more as when she found the pound point afterwards. Just a simple mission in action, just in everyday life. Um the third place let's Jump straight through to that because there's quite a few people here. Um, It's the church context, so I don't quite know what your role is, responsibility, maybe children, maybe youth. um, But it's a wonderful opportunity to be part of a wider family that extends grace to a younger generation. Have you all from a pioneering background? we, we went to visit, um, uh, do a, a trip to Stockholm um, uh, and uh, it was just wonderful to be in Phil and Emma's family and uh, see how they do pioneering church planting and the most amazing thing we found was actually all of the stuff that they did happen in their home with their kids and you have a wonderful opportunity to create the culture that you would love to be in your church plant, first of all in your family and then inviting people into your family to come and taste a bit of that culture and to understand what the culture is that you're trying to create. So, so powerful. Um, I think the church is just a wonderful adoptive family as well. I don't know about your church, but our church is wildly diverse and a bit messy. Um, You can see people coming into our family you think, They would never sit next to each other in any area of life normally. We have got a guy um, who um, is one of the top guys in the Ministry of Defence sitting next to somebody uh, who's just moved into uh, our homeless accommodation that we sponsor as a church and then having a coffee together. I mean, how wonderful is that? People that never meet in real life. And children just float through all of that, don't they? I love it when you look around on sundays i think you can see kids everywhere you can hear kids everywhere <laughs> in our church and, and uh, it makes things a little bit messy but that's okay it's being a family uh, together um i think for you personally wherever you are you don't have to be a children's worker or a youth worker to make a difference in your church to be a generation or mission together uh, the most wonderful I thing I find is when I see older people uh, bending down to have a little conversation with one of the toddlers and one of the teen- teenagers taking time to pray for somebody who's ill. It's that wonderful dynamic mix of crossing age groups and boundaries that you normally want in society. Uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to demonstrate grace. So in our church when people join our belonging course we tell them that 80% of the time they're probably going to absolutely love being part of our church. And 20% of the time they're probably absolutely going to hate being part of our church because that's what a multicultural <laughs> um, uh, and uh, 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 a multi-generational church is like. You're going to love 80% of the songs that we sing, but you're going to hate 20% of them. You're going to love 80% of the events that we do, but you're going to hate 20% of the others. You're going to um, uh, love 80% of the people at our church, and you're going to hate the 20% uh, that are uh, left over. You're going to love 80% of people in your life group, and it's those two that you really wouldn't rather sit next to. And that's okay. That's what it means to be a family together. And that's an opportunity of grace. If you did not need grace to be part of our church, then you need to go find another church. Um, the, The truth is that, that is where grace is lived out, isn't it? That's where it's demonstrated. Um, oh, there's some <coughs> things that I could say. I think I'm just going to hand over briefly to Samina. Samina is um, heading up our children's work at Life Church. Does a brilliant job. Just a few things: if you are a children's worker or a youth worker, to encourage you uh, in your in your role.
0: Yeah, I think the main thing I want to say is what I've learned over the years is just having a great expectation of what God can do through the children. We often sort of think, "Oh, they're just children." I don't know if God can do that, but God is starting from when they're born. I mean, little Zoe over there, little baby. Now we called, now we talk. So He's starting with her. God is speaking to children the whole time. So start there like in creation. Just start with Bible stories, have a high expectation. So I'm not doing that age group, but some of the people that do that age group, they often pray for the Holy Spirit to fill them. They do a little fun game from the head all the way down to your toe, just to make them aware of the Holy Spirit. I often, in our kids' work as well, just do little things, say to them, right, then let's just close your eyes and see if we can feel the Holy Spirit. And then it's, oh yeah, feel a fossil feeling. Oh yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. Just to make them aware. And I talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. So whenever I ask now, who's our helper? Holy Spirit! So they all know it. Because I think it's so important to include that uh, in your in your church. And also to be on a mission together. So we've done things like we bake biscuits, to hand out to teachers, to um, people around you, just to be uh, missional in your, in your context. We've also done things like the kids um, listen up for words of knowledge for people in the main meeting um, where god will bring healing and then we prayed for people and some of the people actually got healed we've got a bit of a funny story of um, a girl uh, had a word about uh, uh, our daughter wasn't here about um, uh, a doggy with a poorly right or left leg or something like that. So the guy was like, the kids were was like, well, I'm just going to share it. I don't know if this is uh, like any any sort of, if this did have any has any sort of meaning for anyone. And then someone came up came up afterwards saying, actually, our doggy has got a, a poorly right leg, and they could pray for the doggy. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. how God is working through that. Um, so that was quite a cool a cool story. So we're just trying to do that and just to be include kids in everything that you do so enough prayer lines we find quite a great opportunity to to do that with just to in, in, bring your kids along say to your parents come on bring your children along uh, we actually had a phil over there he's one of the elders we actually had a little girl praying for him and when he was ill at the enough prayer which is so beautiful such a beautiful prayer just to see what, how that happens Just include children in, in every in every um, area of life shall we do one more question to check? yeah so um we've got five minutes left so maybe you can just share stories like how can you play a part in raising spiritual sons and daughters in the context of your church family just share ideas share stories share dreams visions with each other with the time that we've got (laughs) left. (laughs) I'm <laughs> a
1: place so some of you raise your hands you are working with children either in a healthcare context maybe education context um i used to be a physiotherapist as someone said i used to work in a children's hospital and uh, it was one of the most rewarding things that i've done absolutely loved it and absolutely hated it at the same time i think seeing the desperate need uh, in children's lives um is it, it's just really impacting i think uh, i remember um uh, Having to do therapy with a boy who was 13 years old mohammed and uh, he uh, suffered from cystic fibrosis and uh, was on his way to the end and uh, i can just remember struggling with that thing the unfairness of a young life like that uh, another child that was hit by school bus that lost her leg um, and uh, took months months fighting for her life to kind of get back and um, into uh, normal life again and never being able to go back to normal life again it's uh, just absolutely deeply devastating and I, I remember being in that context thinking I mean this is where you can feel the effects of the fall of my sister, you? I think if you're a teacher here you will know your children uh, almost better than some other parents and um, just knowing what goes on in their family situation you just develop this bond uh, with the kids and, and and you you will carry around with you a level of passion Um, and compassion, and at the same time, a level of hurt. And I think when we uh, looked at um, the story yesterday that Steph was telling about Jesus weeping for Lazarus, you think, I mean, that is is what we're called to do, standing with children in our society, with families, and uh, even if you carry some of that pain, some of that suffering with you, it's okay. I think you are so uniquely placed to make a difference in a child's life and you can continue to pray over them as you may be doing your therapy or maybe uh, helping them, supporting them. Uh, I think for so many children, actually their teacher is a more consistent factor in life than their own family situations and you are uniquely placed to extend grace and I know that the options are limited sometimes on how you can share your faith, but we must not be timid, we must be courageous. We have uh, got a GP at Life Church she uh, used to be part of life church, I and mean, just a living example of faith and courage. She would just, in the middle of a treatment, stop to say, "Well, I think I might have something that might help you." Uh, I'm a Christian. I can I pray for you? And uh, really, to the risk of losing her job, but uh, I think for her, she just very um, uh, carefully listened to God's voice and said, "Okay, if I lose my license at some point, then I will lose my license at some point, but I shall not be held back." And um, to uh, to do this now i know you need to walk this very carefully so i think you must do that by conviction and by faith and and, i think it's it's sometimes no use getting this from your profession and never being able to make a a difference again uh, rather than just making one difference but i think you've got to weigh these things up but not let them hold you back actually compassion is such a strong advocate of the gospel. Um, Other areas, uh, business, arts, I think there's wonderful opportunities. Um, I was walking down the Peterborough City Centre last week and uh, I was just amazed there was this stuntman doing his show and uh, he had a frame of knives set up and then he had a a frame of burning coal set up and then uh, he blindfolded himself and got the whole group kind of helping him, coaching him to run through and jump through these hoops. Now within 10 minutes he gathered 100 people Watching, the hundreds of 100 people. And the amount of people that went up to give them a donation afterwards were, I mean, they made good living out of it. Um, and, uh, and then I saw, uh, 10 metres away, two street bridges. No one stopped. No one listened. And I thought, how come this guy draws a crowd of 100 people and can show them some crazy stuff? And these guys got the words of life and no one stops to listen. No, I think media, have got such a wonderful uh, opportunity. I thought, what if these guys would team up? What if they would work together? What if we had some art and creativity into the streets and a demonstration of the gospel? Wouldn't that be amazing? Mm. Well, I'm going to stop right there. There will be another 100 things I would love to say, and and, uh, I can make you all feel relieved. There's another 100 things I am going to say at at our next Glow Conference uh, in September uh, at Church. So um, you will find these in your packs. Um, It's a flyer, Um, uh, this year, we ran it last year for the first time, we had 140 people attending which was absolutely brilliant, Um, we are widening it this year so we're going to include parents, uh, kids workers, youth workers, uh, professionals. Uh, we've got speakers from different organisations um, and uh, I would really recommend you uh, to read those through. If you feel uh, excited about today then I would say look at a priority, book yourself in, find some people in your church that want to come with you. Um, the uh, early bird prizes are available till 31st of July. The lazy toe prizes are starting from the 1st of August so make sure that you look yourself in uh, quickly. Um, I, I have got an information pack for each church to take home a bunch of these flyers. So if you're with us today, uh, if one of you from each church could come and uh, grab a pack to take home, that would make my life a lot easier. Uh, We hope you've been blessed. Uh, We've been certainly blessed by spending time with you and uh, we hope you've got a good rest of the day. Thank Thank you. absolutely <laughs> <How it> <happened>? We're taking to text you oh, where we are and then if yeah, you've got time come and join us. if not, then Yeah, I'm thankful I've It's what are you yeah. are you and your know, yeah. time is. Yeah. 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 It's a nice the yeah. So, yeah. 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 yeah it was really, yeah, it's good. We're kind of about that. But it was yeah. a really good the message from everyone
0: really yesterday morning as well. Very similar, very similar Yeah, in <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I it's
1: okay. I you know I know it's you know. I yeah. Um, yeah. 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 yeah, What we should be like Thursday or it's okay And it's uh when the of time. Yeah. Um,
0: I had a all yeah she mentioned it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, like, I kind of yeah how yeah, well, about look wait something yeah I thought the
1: of a it it's not for really That's why. for the to I'm not sure I can't I can't do, do so, yes, I think it's a of a question. So, you know, the times, you know, that's what you do. So, you know, it's a little bit of a time. So it's good it's so it's yeah. so the process is involved.
0: It's, like a it's a good that it's not taking good as well. It's it's not taking good as well. It's good that
1: it's not taking good as well. It's good Look I yeah. so yeah. so yes. it's going a to church
0: everything
1: goes just to to show make sure we so mm-hmm. they do the fair <laughs> I was right. the
0: it And yeah. I yeah. And for 12 volunteers, if I
1: volunteer, I was change my
0: message
1: to yeah, Looking yeah. 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 yeah.
0: nice. yeah. for the yeah. 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 So yeah. So yeah.
1: So yeah the my
0: yeah do because they're learning a lot of
1: kids as well. Because this guy's got three kids. We've got three And so if yeah, um, you talk about how it is, make sure that people are interested in it. I mean, there have, the, like, can be like a few more
0: parents. Use a video yeah, language. Like yeah, uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. the way that. Yeah, yeah. it's just because all the kids' work is you want to bless all the kids' work as well, so you, you don't have any really kids' work is left to actually run yeah. a yeah. session. Yeah, that's yeah, like, the So, you have you you know, do you do kids' work is two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 that's not